listening to Soul Spark with Sarah Godfrey. Hi, you guys. I'm Sarah, and I'm so glad that you're here with me today. I believe that every person has their own inner light. It's their innate goodness and strength. My desire is to share stories, inspiration, and applicable ideas that will help you feel your own inner light ignite. I'm sure you've noticed, pretty obvious, right, that the wording in my intro changed. I want you to know that the feeling behind it all is still the same. I think I've just gotten a little more clarity on really capturing with words what it is that I hope for you. I'll explain a bit more later on where I've been lately. I honestly haven't recorded a podcast for like a month and a half. It's weird. It's so nice to be back and I'll share more about that later. But first, I wanted to start with a segment on some listener questions that I will be answering. So if you have any questions or a topic you're dying for me to talk about, go ahead and shoot me an email, Sarah, that's Sarah with an H, at soulsparkmovement.com. And whenever I'm doing one of these segments, I'll answer your question. Or if a topic really stands out to me that we need to do a whole podcast episode on it, I'll do it. So the first question I wanted to answer today was, how do you fight mom guilt? Here's the thing, you guys. I'm going to be totally honest. I actually don't have mom guilt anymore at all. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) It seems to be so prevalent. I'm really glad that I got asked this question because it was something I really had to work through. And for the past like year, I haven't had any mom guilt. Now, yes, I still worry if I'm doing enough for my kids and and concerned for their well-being, but it's not in the same way. It's more just from a place of love and wanting the best for them. This is what I've learned about mom guilt, okay? I've had to take a long, hard look at what I believed a good mom was, okay? So that's something I encourage you to do if you're a mom or in any role you have in your life, right? Take a look at it and say, in order to be good, a good employee, a good sister, a good friend, What do I believe I would have to do, okay? So I encourage you to take a long, hard look at that. Like, what do you believe a good mom actually does? Write it down and look at it and notice if it's realistic, first of all. And second of all, if it actually matches to what you're trying to do, okay? I think most of us, when we actually look at it, we don't believe that a good mom has to do absolutely everything for her kids, okay? But sometimes... Even though we don't believe that, we still feel like maybe we should do everything for our kids. Okay, so that's one thing. Really take a look at what you believe a good mom does and and take a look at if that's realistic and what you're expecting of yourself. Okay, and what's helped me a lot is that I really, I know I'm a good mom. Like I don't, I don't give myself negative talk. I know I am not perfect, but I freed myself from the expectation That in order to be a good mom, I had to be a perfect mom. Because guess what? My kids are not perfect. They're human. And my job as their mom is to just show them how to deal with their humanness, right? So when I make a mistake, instead of flagellating myself about it, I just show them by example how I deal with mistakes. I apologize. I own it when I've done something wrong. And I love on them so hard and it's freed me so much from the mom guilt. The last thing that I've done to help 
with the mom guilt is that I've developed a greater assurance within myself on the decisions that I'm making. So I trust myself to know what's right and to know what's best. And when I've made a choice that does take me away from my children, whether it's for a weekend or for a night or maybe even sometimes a couple of days, when I know that it's the right thing to do and I trust that, I don't feel guilty about leaving them. So you need to be able to to be sure of what it is that you are choosing to do. And when you're sure of it and you don't worry about what other people are going to think, but you know you're doing what is right for you at that time, you don't feel guilty about it. So those are just a couple of the ideas that I have um, about mom guilt. Okay, next question was, again, like, this is another one that's similar, you know, more parenting question, but how, how do I help my kids love movement? Here's the thing. Movement is so, so vital for children. I've actually studied it a lot, okay? Kids need movement in order to develop their bodies and their brains. A kid, in order to be able to learn to sit still, to be able to have good handwriting, to be able to track their eyes across the page to read, has to move and has to move a lot, I knew that and was the same thing. Like, how do I help my children love it? I think kids naturally are drawn towards movement. It's more just our job to do two things. First one is to give them opportunities to move freely and naturally. My family room in my house is actually more just like a movement room. We have kept it pretty clear of furniture on purpose so that my children have room to move around. We have stall bars on the wall so they can actually literally climb up the wall. And we've had a balance beam in there. We have like a tunnel. We make up obstacle courses. But I give them the space to move. Um, We made sure to get a play set in our backyard so that that draws them to movement. I get them out in nature a lot. Nature draws children to the desire to move because they just want to look and explore. Giving them just opportunities. If you have a baby... Do not, and I'm not criticizing you if you've done this, okay, but maybe you didn't know better, but I'm going to tell you, don't just stick them in a car seat carrier and carry them around like that. Give them a lot of opportunity to be on the floor, and if not on the floor, be held because they can move their bodies more. Don't strap kids all the time into strollers, into devices that are stopping them from moving, okay? So that's the first thing, just giving up them opportunities to move. The second thing is that kids learn to value what you value. They just absorb it, okay? So we make it a point in my family to do things that are movement-oriented together. It's one of the ways that we bond. Now, yes, we love watching movies together and snuggling on the bed and reading, but we also go hiking in the mountains a lot. We go on walks a lot and bike rides. As kids develop memories that are filled with love and connection, they're going to value the thing they were doing when they did that. So if you're only connecting with your family by playing video games together, that's what they're going to end up loving. If you connect by doing movement and a variety of other things, that's what they're going to love doing. So if you want your kids to love movement, Give them plenty of chance to be able to move. Don't get mad at them when they need to move. Allow them to. Encourage it. Don't strap them down into things. And second of all, 
do things together as a family that are building memories and bonding together through movement. Okay, those are my two ideas on that. Now let's get to our actual topic for the day. I, like I said, I haven't recorded a podcast episode for like a month and a half. Honestly, you guys, I had a bit of an existential crisis. That's why I was like gone for a while. I mean, it was good for me because I got a little more clarity on what exactly it is that I'm doing, but I also went through a lot of anxiety and a lot of just questioning the value of what I'm doing. So I want to talk today about doing good even if you're the only one that's benefiting from it, okay? Now, I know I'm not the only one benefiting from it. I've been told that. I have seen other people benefit from it, but you know, when you're in a weird space, sometimes you can't see clearly. But even then, it's still good to do good just for you. Okay, so background on me. When I was in high school, my dream was to be a motivational speaker. A lot of people laughed at me. All my friends were like, okay, because, you know, a 16-year-old girl having that be her dream who, by all appearances to them, hadn't been through a whole lot. They were like, all right. But I, I had been so touched by motivational speakers that I'd heard at church functions and at school functions that that's what I wanted to do. Now, I knew that it wasn't like I could just study in college to be a motivational speaker. So I looked at other options. And the big question that I asked while I was looking at options was like, how can I reach the most people possible? This is what I was thinking just in high school when I was quite young. I was like, well, maybe I can study to be an English teacher because everyone's required to be to take English when they go through school. Like I just, I wanted to have the ability to influence as many people as I could. And not because I wanted everyone to think I was great, because I really wanted to just do good to as many people as possible. Oh, years down the road, life hit me hard. I've been through a lot since then. I have plenty of material to draw upon to be a motivational speaker now. Oh, yay. And and I was a hermit really almost for quite a long time. I didn't really do much outside of my own little safe circle. The things that I've been doing to grow this business, which I feel compelled to do, honestly, are very, very painful and uncomfortable for me. Sharing so much of my heart and my experiences is terrifying at times. And in the past little while, I've been like, why? What is the point of putting myself out there when it feels like I'm hardly reaching anybody? Like, what's the point? You know, I was questioning the value of what I was doing and feeling so small and so insignificant and not worthwhile. I was actually talking to my friend, my dear friend, Shelby, about this. I'm going to link her her social media in the show notes just so you can follow her because she has a heart of gold and is so wise and I think you would benefit from her work and what she does share on Instagram. She also has a podcast that you can find on there. Anyway, I was talking to my dear friend Shelby. I was like, what is the point of all this? It is just so uncomfortable and so hard and it's not doing any good. And she, even though she's like 10 years my younger was like, asked me a really, really important question and it has made a world of a difference for me. She was like, 
have you benefited from what you are doing? Have you been changed by it? And I was just like, well, yeah, 100%. Like, I have changed so much by all the hard things that I've been doing and um, how, how I've been putting myself out there. I've changed so much. I'm so much happier. I'm so much braver. And I was like, but my fear is that I'm the only one benefiting from it. Um, which I told you already, I know that's not true. So many of you are so supportive and have been listening to this podcast from the very first day. But you know, like I said, you get in that weird headspace and it's like, it seems true. Okay. But I sat with it for a while and I was like, even if I am the only one who is benefiting and who ever benefits from what I have been doing, isn't that enough? Yes. Like, I myself am so much happier from doing all this uncomfortable work. What I want you to learn from this is this fact, that what you choose to do and how you choose to think every day changes you. You are creating your future self over and over and over again. Okay, and maybe you love others so much and have a big heart like me and you just want to heal the whole world, right? And, and that, that's, you want everybody to benefit from every good thing that you try to do. And that's a good desire. But guess what? You are the only person that you can control, right? Every time you do something, you're creating you. Isn't that enough? Like you love yourself, right? You want to grow. You want to become better. And by default, as you become better, you're going to help other people become better. Hopefully just as, you know, even if it's just as a byproduct because they see you being brave and they feel of your own light and goodness. So, it, I mean, it honestly doesn't matter what you're doing, whether it's changing diapers or speaking to millions of people. Both of those are good things, right? How you choose to do those good things is going to change you. And yes, that is enough. You get to choose how you're going to be affected by the things that you do. And I hope you choose to let those things change you for the better and to be satisfied with the fact that maybe it doesn't seem like your family is benefiting from all the stuff you're trying to do with a good heart. First of all, because they are benefiting from it. And second of all, because you're changing yourself. And that is not an easy task. Give yourself some credit. So, and you know, if you're like me and you have big goals and dreams, here's a thought that I wanted to share. It's from Bob Proctor. He says, the real purpose of a goal is to grow. It causes you to draw something out of yourself that you didn't even know was there. That's the end of the quote. Maybe what matters isn't so much the outcome or what the goal or the dream is. It's who you're becoming in the process that matters the most. As we all change and become better versions of ourselves, guess what? We also become the people, the kind of people who can handle and deserve whatever it is that we're dreaming of. Deborah Adele talks about this in her book, The Yamas and Niyamas. And one of the things she says that she talks about this Sanskrit word, it is adhikara. 
And she says it means the right to know or the right to have. I quote, this word challenges us to the reality that if we want something, then we better grow the competency required to have it. So we do that. We grow into the people who deserve the things we want by trusting the process and letting ourselves be changed by the path that we have chosen to step on. She goes on to say in this book uh, that life gives us tasks that should we succeed, grow us into the kind of people that life can trust with important things. Such a good thought, right? That we become the kind of people who can be trusted with those things. So those tasks that are so hard, I get that they're so hard and, and scary and sometimes the outcomes don't come that we're hoping for, but all of those things, they're not burdens. They're not the things that are holding us back from what we want. Those are the things that are helping us become the kind of people who can get those dreams. We become people who are capable of handling wealth or fame or even just a close, really loving family by letting ourselves be transformed by the work it takes to get there. All of us have things that we hope and we dream for. And it doesn't really matter what those are. What matters is that we let ourselves be changed in the striving. The gap between who you are and who you want to be isn't a roadblock. It is the stepping stones that are going to get you there. I want you to know that you're doing so well, that you, you're good and you're capable of becoming who you need to be to, to handle and deserve whatever it is that you're dreaming of. Be that a big dream or a small dream, you'll become capable just in this driving. You guys, thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you can feel the light inside of you. And I hope you know that I didn't give that to you. That light is yours. It's always been there. And trusting it can get you through whatever life sends your way, whether it's a big hardship or just a little fear of trying something new. You are good and you are strong. Carry that truth with you. I hope you feel your own inner light ignite. Thanks for joining me. We'll see you guys next time. Mm-hmm.